0: Welcome to the Flourish with Neural Retraining Podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Neural Retraining, and a certified MAP method practitioner specializing in allergies and sensitivities, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, sleep issues, infertility, autoimmunity, and other chronic health conditions. Join me for episode 52, where I will talk about using the MAP method of advanced neural retraining to resolve painful emotional memories. We'll hear about Nathan, who was teased and humiliated for years at school, Patricia, who was threatened at gunpoint, Ava, who had experienced verbal and emotional abuse through childhood, and Mindy, who felt rejected by her father and stepfather. For those that are new to the podcast, let me explain that the MAP method is a holistic mind-body practice that works directly with the subconscious mind. Sessions are done over Zoom video conference. The method is easy and powerful, and the rewiring happens during the session. In a session, the client is in a relaxed meditative state, focusing on a particular memory, while the practitioner offers instructions to the subconscious mind. The purpose of the session is to neutralize the painful emotions associated with the experience. We are not erasing memories. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. As MAP method practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease. Instead, we work with the person and the personality to optimize health. Now, let's talk about retraining the brain for painful memories. So... Working with people on painful emotional memories is something that I do very frequently. Because the very first session that we do the introductory session, remember, everyone has to be initiated to the map method that consists of watching a 15 minute video about memories and how they form the personality, then coming to the session, and receiving a few preliminary instructions. This is what enables your subconscious mind to be receptive to the instructions that I give in a session, right? So the very first session, we always work with a topic that is around an emotional memory, it might be a phobia or a trigger for anxiety, or it might just be some kind of painful experience, painful emotional experience you've had, either recently or sometime in the past. And so you know, the, the first session is a one-hour session, and this is the topic that I work with. What is a painful emotional memory that you would like to work with today? So I have worked with people on many types of painful memories. Childhood abuse, painful relationships, sexual abuse, grief, miscarriages. because I work with a lot of people around the topic of infertility. Um, I work with memories around accidents, attacks, emergencies. I work with people around surgeries, physical injuries, or other kinds of procedures diagnoses, or other medical traumas around chronic health issues. Again, a lot of my client base is working with chronic health conditions and symptoms. And as we'll see uh, in the course of this podcast, resolving these traumas can lay the groundwork for health and for healing. Now, let me explain a little bit about why that is the case, right? And why this is important, working with traumatic memories. Basically, unprocessed trauma is a source of unresolved stress, you may think oh that memory that happened a long time ago I hardly ever think about that anymore you are talking about your conscious mind in your subconscious mind which has no sense of time uh, there is no such thing as years ago in your subconscious mind this could be like a little um, uh, could be like a little looped memory that you're subconscious mind is playing that you are not aware of. I often bring to mind the analogy of a computer. Um, When you're using a computer, and you're browsing the internet, you know, sometimes you'll find that your the performance of the computer is somewhat slowed. And you go and you look at your tabs, or whatever you have running, and you realize, uh, here's a tab where the like the little loading arrow is going around and around and around, that page isn't loading, or it's trying to load, but it's, it's not hasn't completely successfully done that yet, right? So it's, it's like a drain on resources. Well, it's the same with your brain. When your subconscious mind is hooked on a trauma memory. It's a drain on resources. And this is important. Because if you are trying to heal from a chronic health condition, from an injury, from a surgery, from, from anything, you, you need all the resources that you can get. You don't want there to be this kind of little siphon um, that is draining resources. So I want you to understand that having unresolved sources of stress either consciously known, right, like we talked about in the last episode, relationship stress is something that's consciously known, or unconsciously held sources of stress. These are the things that lead to sympathetic dominance. So if you've ever had a functional medicine practitioner tell you, you know, based on these lab tests, or based on what I'm seeing, I think you are in a sympathetic dominant state. What's the problem with being in a sympathetic dominant state? That's the state we call fight, flight or freeze. The problem is that when we're in a sympathetic dominant state that by definition inhibits all the healing functions of the body. In other words, that is a state that is absolutely not conducive to healing. Now remember that I was trained originally as a nutritional therapy practitioner. I don't do that anymore, but I do come from that, that background. And in nutritional therapy, which is, you could think of it as functional nutrition, a functional nutrition approach to chronic health issues, um, we are taught that the body has an innate ability to heal. It does. But when the body is not healing Right? We have to ask ourselves, what are the blocks and the barriers? Now, when I was an NTP, the blocks and the barriers that we looked at were like lifestyle issues, nutrient, you know, like diet, um, ability to uptake nutrients, our ability to detoxify, hormonal balance, uh, things like that. But now that I work 100% with retraining the brain or neural retraining, I look at that topic very differently. When I'm looking for, you know, what are the blocks and the barriers? I'm thinking, what are the stressors that are acting on us that are keeping us in that sympathetic dominant state, fight, flight or freeze, and keeping us from being able to optimize that innate ability to heal. So let me explain a little bit more. When the autonomic nervous system is geared up for an emergency, this is that fight, flight, or freeze state, it calls for stress hormones to be released. And that halts all restorative functions of the body. It also trots out the immune system. Think of the immune system as kind of that internal army, right? Always patrolling and trying to keep us safe against threats, bacterial, viral, fungal, or otherwise. But in this case, when the autonomic nervous system is being informed all the time because of these unconscious sources of stress that... We are in danger, even though in reality we are not, right? We're just hooked into a, an old trauma memory or maybe a current source of stress. The immune system is being deployed, often inappropriately, and this starts to create systemic inflammation in the gut and around the body. Also, we see that that amygdala alarm system, right, as it continues to be set off, right, continues to alarm, it releases molecules of emotion. What emotions? Negative emotions like depression and anxiety. And this is also, you know, part of the whole sequelae that we see around sympathetic dominance, So if you get one thing from this podcast episode, I want you to understand that in order to heal, we need to be in the parasympathetic mode of the autonomic nervous system. That is what is referred to as the rest, digest, and heal mode. It's like a toggle switch, right? Your autonomic nervous system is either in the one mode or the other. When it is stuck in the sympathetic mode, the fight, flight, freeze mode, then it cannot also be in rest, digest and heal. And so when we are stuck in that stress response, you will observe, there is poor digestion, right, there is poor detoxification, there is an inability to eliminate, right, constipation, um, or an inability to or diminished ability to sweat, right, which is another way that we release toxins. You will observe that nutrient uptake is impaired. Hormonal balance is out of whack. So is fluid balance. Um, Neurotransmitter production is down. And wound healing is slowed And, you know, this is not an exhaustive list, right? What I'm trying to tell you is that all restorative functions of the body, all restorative functions are put on hold, right? Because when we are in the stress response, we are geared up to run away from a threat, from an emergency, a life-threatening emergency. The brain doesn't know the difference between just being stressed on a conscious or subconscious level by something conceptual versus being under threat from a predator. Right, our brains have not had the opportunity to evolve to the, our current our modern lifestyle, we are still wired just like paleo man. And so, so this, this is the toggle switch that we are working with. Um, each and every day, we, want, we need that toggle switch to be in the parasympathetic mode for the majority of each day, if we are going to be able to heal and maintain our health. So how does neural retraining address this? As you will hear, in this episode, we, we utilize advanced neural retraining techniques in our sessions to neutralize the painful emotions, to change or replace core beliefs that are not serving us. We change mental images and associations. And in doing so, we neutralize the painful emotions around the trauma. Now the memories are not erased, the memories are still there. But the emotional intensity is diminished. this is what makes all the difference. So sometimes people come to see me to resolve a trauma that has that they know has been affecting them for too long. Say the death of someone close to them that is now several years in the past or you know maybe just a, a really painful experience around being... Um, let go at work, or being challenged in some really public way that just has really hurt their confidence, you know, for too long, right? So sometimes people come and they know what the memory is, they know what the experience is, and they know on some level, like, this has been, I've been carrying this too long. Other times people come to me with an emotional, mental, or physical concern And as we start to work with it, their subconscious mind starts to reveal the associations to unresolved trauma memories from the past. So these are different paths to getting to the same thing. So let's start with the story of Nathan. All names, of course, have been changed to protect privacy of my clients. Nathan came to me because he was one of those people that just knew, you know, he had had a fairly untraumatic childhood, except that he had been ridiculed and humiliated in his early school years. And he recognized that these memories were still somehow affecting him. They were kind of he felt that his lack of confidence and other personality traits had been shaped by these memories. He described this memory as the big one, right? The one, or the, it's not one memory, right? This took place over several years, but this whole topic was the, the big one in his life. It was the limiting influence in his life. And so in our first session, we worked with this topic and neutralized the memories around that time. In addition, we reinforced what he wanted to create in his life instead, right? If these memories had contributed to a diminished experience of life, I wanted to make sure that we reinforced for him a positive, more empowering expectation or experience of life. And for him, that was to be able to feel carefree and happy, to be authentically himself, right, fearless in being himself. And to live from a state of joy instead of fear. Now, two days after our session, Nathan emails me, and he was just really incredulous. I mean, I have to say he was really incredulous by the end of the session, because by the end of a one-hour session, he could feel that that The intensity around those memories, and remember this took place over a period of years, so it's not just one memory, there are thousands of memories, right? He could feel that the emotional intensity had come down, it was very low, he could barely feel anything anymore, he felt pretty neutral, by the end of a one-hour session, he kept saying to me, is this going to last? <laughs> and so two days after our session, he emailed me because he wanted, to ma- he wanted me to know <laughs> that it had lasted at least these two days, right? And so he says, I'm still left with memories of it all, right? We're not erasing the memories, but they are a very watered-down version of them. I've tried to go back there and really focus on what those feelings were, but I can't feel them. I'm at a loss for words. I could go on about the effects, but all I can say is that I am calmer, kinder to myself, and the reactive moments are farther apart. I cannot thank you enough. Practically, in a matter of an hour, what I have been carrying around for so long no longer has any weight anymore. It's truly remarkable. And I thank Nathan for sending me that email. Very sweet. In fact, it was the inspiration for this episode. So thank you, Nathan. I do hear this all the time, of course. But, you know, it is so important that people understand that how much can be accomplished in one one hour session. Now, is it always this fast? It really depends. He resolved a long term pattern in just one session. But for another person, it could take more than one session, right? It's very dependent on the person, how receptive they are to the instructions. Remember, your brain is rewiring itself your brain decides the pace, your brain decides how much is safe for you to do today. And it also depends on how ready the person is to let it go. So what I want you to notice about this story is that the effects for Nathan were not only emotional, but also mental and behavioral, right? He says, I'm kinder to myself, the reactive moments are farther apart. He's feeling less triggered. So I want you to understand that we're not just changing the emotional signature of the memory. We are changing the responses motivated by those memories to any related triggers. That is because all behaviors, emotional, mental, and physiological, are created based on on memories from past experiences. They're based on an accumulation of memories from past experiences. And that may become clearer to you as you listen to the rest of this episode. And it will become even clearer to you when you've had a couple of map sessions. And now let's talk about Patricia. Patricia came to me because she had recently had a car accident. Someone had hit her. And when they pulled over to the side of the road to exchange insurance information, things went very wrong. The driver of the car that hit her became extremely agitated and pulled a gun on her, and she froze. This is an extreme trauma. It was very recent. So unlike Nathan's wasn't years ago. This was very recent. And it was causing an extreme amount of stress for her. She had an inability to concentrate. She was suffering from insomnia and waking at night with a particular fear dream based on this incident. And she just was having a severe anxiety. She rated her level of shock and fear around the events of the car accident at about an eight or nine. And so we started to work with that memory. This is her first session. She was willing to work with that memory. And... As I started to give her instructions, so I want you to understand that each round of instructions, once we framed up the subject, obviously this was the subject of her session, and she told me what the emotions were and how strong they were, then I have her focus on some part of that memory, right? You don't have to relive the trauma, you don't have to rehash the whole thing. You just need to put your mind on something about that experience just so we can get the subconscious mind into the the right neighborhood, right? So as she started to focus on that memory, and I gave her subconscious mind some instructions, other memories started to come up for her. And after one round of instructions, you know, which takes a few minutes, then I asked her, I said, you know, what, what came up for you during that? And she told me, oh, I had other memories came up for me that were connected with a feeling of shock and fear. There was a scary incident with a former boyfriend. There were fights that she had witnessed at home with her parents, and when we neutralize the shock and the fear around those memories, then when I had her focus on the original memory, the night of the car accident, her level of shock and fear had reduced to a zero or a one. So we rate we everything on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the most intense. So recall at the beginning of the session, Her level of shock and fear were an 8 or a 9 out of 10. You know, for most people, they think, well, that seems pretty appropriate to me, given what happened to her. And you might not believe that someone could diminish that level of shock and fear around that memory in 40 or 45 minutes or so during a session. But that is what happened. Trisha herself was quite incredulous by the end of the session because she didn't think that was possible either, you know, considering how how big a trauma it had been for her and the fact that it was so recent. So a few days after the session, she reported being able to sleep better and not having repetitive fear dreams anymore. Then we did a few more sessions around her inability to concentrate and the stress and anxiety about being able to catch up on her work. And then of course there was the ongoing aftermath of the accident itself that involved police work and legal proceedings. She had a lot of anger and a lot of feelings of being let down by the system around the way that her case was being handled. But after that sequence of sessions, I don't know, maybe three or four sessions, she reported that the events of that night and the aftermath no longer had as strong a hold on her anymore. She felt much more focused and way less anxious. So I thought that was a good result for her around those issues. I want you to observe, I want you to notice, right, that these are not, these sessions are not just about emotional shifts. They're also about cognitive shifts as well. Because as we identify the underlying beliefs, the related memories and associations and change them or replace them, a person can go from feeling victimized and powerless to feelings of self-worth and feelings of just not being defined by other people's judgments. And just a general feeling of more peace around the whole process. And so I'd like to think that the work that we did around this issue really helped Patricia to be more resilient and feel more supported as she went through the rest of that process. And now let's talk about Ava. Ava came to me because she was having endless, as she described it, negative, repetitive thoughts. She found that she was easily upset by small things going wrong during the day, And she really felt limited by these patterns. As we started to work together and work with particular memories of how, uh, of, of these negative repetitive thoughts and examples of where something small had gone wrong, or maybe she'd received a comment that felt like a criticism and kind of sent her over the edge, right? So we started to work with specific examples of those kinds of memories, she reported feeling other memories, a welling of other memories come up around verbal and emotional abuse as a child. Her parents had heavy demands of her and her siblings in terms of chores and responsibilities the criticism and the discipline were very severe. And further, she was held responsible for the compliance of her siblings. So she bore the the brunt of the burden. And it seems that these memories were the underlying memories that were keeping her in a state of nothing I do is ever enough so as we worked on these memories from childhood and young adulthood and replaced them with neutral to positive memories accompanied by more supportive beliefs about herself, about others, about life, as we treated memory structures that were associated with feelings of being disapproved of, frustrated, embarrassed, feeling ashamed or confused. We started to change the pattern. The next session, we worked with other examples of intense memories and patterns around negative self talk. The voice in her head that would tell her, you're stupid, you're a failure, you're never going to get better. And after those two sessions, she reported, things don't trigger me as often. And when they did, I was able to catch myself quicker before it became a negative thought spiral. So with Ava, I want you to notice that the verbal abuse she experienced as a child, the endless criticism and demands became internalized as a self-critical voice. This is something I see often. And when we can neutralize those memories, we can break down the pattern of negative self-talk. Life becomes more enjoyable and less stressful. And for Ava, I think she felt more relaxed and more confident in a variety of situations. Again, even though... This pattern existed for years in her childhood, just like Nathan. We were able to clear enough of those memories for her to feel a noticeable difference within a couple of sessions. And I also want you to understand that when these sources of stress are left unresolved, you know, you can think of them as sources of stress in the subconscious mind. Right, Ava wasn't consciously thinking of these memories from her childhood, but her subconscious mind was replaying them endlessly. And when those subconscious sources of stress, you don't feel consciously, but you, you feel the effects of them in your behaviors, in your thoughts, in your ability to relate to other people or in your emotional responses, right? When they are left unresolved, the long-term effect is that it eventually leads to declines in health because this ongoing source of internal stress is creating that hair trigger reaction to anything perceived as a threat in your current life. And that can include a criticism, an offhand comment, a a look. And that fires the adrenals. It fires the stress response, which calls for stress hormones to be released. So we are firing the adrenals all the time. And this leads to adrenal fatigue. And as the adrenals start to give out and the immune system becomes more dysregulated, right? Remember, the immune system gets activated around every threat, every fear, then the stress response takes hold and more toxins build up. There's more dysbiosis and more systematic inflammation. And that's how chronic health conditions get started, right? It's these kinds of things that lay the foundation for chronic health conditions. So I want you to like really make that connection very clearly here. The MAP method doesn't heal your chronic health conditions. I want to be really clear about that. What we can do with the MAP method is start to unravel those root causes that are emotional, that are based on memory and experiences that we've had in the past. And by doing so, we start to change the response that we have to stress we start to be less stressed. So there's less of an energy drain, less demand on the adrenals, less dysregulation in other body systems. And then the body can marshal the resources for healing. And so with the MAP method, what we see is an acceleration of the healing process. It is complementary to whatever else you are doing, whether it's allopathic medicine, alternative practices, any other kind of therapy or modality. Okay, so let's talk about Mindy. Mindy came to me because she had a lot of painful memories around being rejected by her alcoholic father and her stepfather. She felt very unwanted, you know, she she really had an identity around being unwanted, feeling like she didn't belong, and that people didn't like her. And so we spent the first session clearing some representative memories from her childhood and teen years. After that session, she reported, I felt really great afterwards lighter, more peaceful, and happier. And I felt a shift in how I viewed myself. At the next session, she wanted to work with some skin reactions she was having to sensitivities, and more painful memories came up, feeling rejected by other family members, painful memories around her mother's death, and negative beliefs like I can never be as good as other people. We worked on neutralizing the memories and replacing the negative beliefs with much more empowering beliefs. After the second session, she reported, although I felt more depressed that day and the next, I did notice fewer rashes and bumps after eating. And I noticed that I wasn't as stressed when meeting new people. So I want you to know that mood changes can happen after a session, right? Because sometimes clearing painful memories just brings other things bubbling up to the surface. We do provide resources for you to work with between sessions. This includes a simple map instruction that you can use on yourself and a set of map audio files. Again, I want you to notice the cognitive shifts that accompanied the emotional changes, including a positive shift in how she viewed herself and less social anxiety. And then the physical shifts, which for most people can take a few sessions, but note that she was less reactive to foods that she was eating. So let's recap what we learned from these clients' stories in this episode. First, we learned how painful memories, or what we call trauma, can shape the personality, as they did for Nathan. We saw how even acute and ongoing traumas can be neutralized, greatly improving our ability to cope with our current situation, as we saw with Patricia we also saw how childhood abuse patterns can create a self-critical voice that we carry around in our head later in life, creating an internal source of stress that can degrade our health. In Ava's story, and in Mindy's story, we learned how clearing memories around rejection can relieve social anxiety and even clear up physical symptoms like rashes. So, what I hope that you got from all of this is that we can change long-term memories and the beliefs, behaviors, and personality traits and emotional responses that are associated. Remember, all behaviors, emotional, mental, physiological are based on memories of previous experiences the more intense the memory the more influence it has over our behaviors and our responses and I hope that you saw that in just a few sessions we can clear significant internal sources of stress that will help to quell the stress response that could be inhibiting your ability to heal So, if you're inspired to give it a try yourself, please hop on over to the website, mindremapforhealth.com, and schedule a one-hour introductory session. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found these stories helpful. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Neural Retraining podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about health applications of the MAP method of advanced neural retraining, visit our website, mindremapforhealth.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish content of this podcast copyright 2022 by twin cities neural retraining music by barbara ben